Hi, Richie. Hi, Sin. We have a very special guest today. Who is it? Uh, hi. Hi. <laughs> hi, welcome, Marionette. Thank you. So, Marionette, you have a YouTube channel. Does it have a name? Uh, Marionette du Auguste, which is, it, it is connected to my just YouTube account. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Cool. And what kind of stuff do you post there? Uh, well, I posted Let's Plays for a very brief period of time, two or three years ago. Awesome. And uh, I'll link your channel in the description below and people can go and check it out. So we're going to talk about Dark Souls today. Yes. Yes. The worst of them. <laughs> you were saying that Ludlith, Abyss Watchers, Yorm, and Aldrich are some sort of a bad representation of, of the lords from Dark Souls 1. Yes, I, I think that the, the, the phrase that kind of pulls the entire game together, Dark Souls 3 that is, is Erdem taketh many forms indeed, and that these people are trying to inherit the legacy of these ancient lords, either like knowingly or not, and just kind of doing it badly. So let's start them one by one. So let's start with Ludlith. Who do you think he represents? That would be the Witch of Izalith, or Bed of Chaos. Oh, snap. Why? Because, well, first of all, he's stuck in a chair. He can't move <laughs> anywhere. Uh, you have to beat a giant tree to interact with him in the proper way. Oh. What? Wait, 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 what? Because you have to beat the, the Curse Rod at Greatwood to get the kill. Oh. And in oh. that fight, the floor falls out. Oh, oh, just like Isolus. Yeah. Yeah. But in a good way, because it kills the <laughs> annoying parts of the fight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and additionally, he changes the, sh the form of something into something else more useful, like the Witch of Isolus did with demons. Uh, thank you, Loki, for finally explaining that to us. <laughs> and also, um, well, the Witch of Eyeswith was uh, defined by her ambition to have another first flame. And Ludwith is his only character motivation seems to be remembered as a colossus, as he puts it. Someone who's more important than his shrunken, shriveled old self. Mm hmm Do you think that at any point he was literally like a giant? It's possible. Laughs, that's one interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> well, presumably at one point he had legs, and they got burned off when he became a Lord of Cinder. Oh my god, do you think he just had really, really long legs? You mean like, it's possible. like Kermit the Frog? Yeah! Moon yeah. <laughs> with long legs. <laughs> that sounds like an Australian spider. Moon with long legs. <laughs> I'm just imagining Ludwith with incredibly stretched out legs just walking around Firelink Shrine. 
explode, you're so spoopy. Is that why the ceiling is so tall? Maybe, but I'm just imagining his head is clipping through the ceiling anyways. <laughs> I actually really want to know what Ludwig was in the prior builds, because, like, this whole Lords of Cinder being a reflection of the Four Lords really comes across as a last-minute thing. Yeah. How so? Well, Yorm, first of all. That, that's all I need oh, to say well, for him. <laughs> just just <laughs> Yorm. Yeah, yeah, just Yorm. Uh, the boss design change for Aldrich um, from just being a blob. Uh, and also the whole thing about the eclipse. Yeah. Mm-hmm seems very different from a story of, hey, we're just retelling the old fire-linking story. Mm-hmm. So, Richie, let me ask you to tell us about the eclipse that Marinette's talking about. Hmm. The eclipse occurs when you've beaten the Lords of Cinder other than Lorien and Lothric. And what happens is that the sun in the sky becomes basically a huge dark sign. And then that is somehow connected to the Ring City, where if apparently if you like follow that sign, it eventually leads to the Ring City, and that's like a very large like eclipse similar to that over the city. I think it's meant to represent like, I mean, based on what we were saying, like everything has been switched around so many times that it's kind of hard to make sense of a lot of it. But it seems to represent like Gwyn is the Lord of Sunlight. He put the dark sign on the hollows slash humans and like as the fire fades as Gwyn's power fades the dark sign that is keeping everything in check starts to fade away as well so you get like this huge dark sign in the sky and suddenly that gives birth to those those pilgrim butterfly things that are bursting out of the pilgrims and like uh, the ring city itself like the sort of barrier around that starts to break down and if you look at, at um, Lance's stuff, like that was that had more going on initially, and it, it probably meant something else, but we don't know what that was. Okay, cool. Thank you. There were giant winged snakes and all that. Yeah, yeah. We, we actually we recorded um, earlier today with Sin. We talked about like cut stuff from three again, and it was going to have at one point a time of day system like Bloodborne. Whereas you progress through it, the time of day would change based on like the last thing you did. So it looks like the, all these skyboxes were like designed for that. So the eclipse like happened maybe like at the very end of the game. There, it was like it was like the pale blood sky equivalent. I'm sure it would have ju- been just as confusing. <laughs> so, Marinette, um. Tell me about the Abyss Watchers and who they're supposed to reflect. I've gone back and forth on this quite a bit. Uh, I, I, I think that they probably stand in for the Four Kings. But, again, in a different way. Right. Um, they probably fill in for the Four Kings kind of just really reluctantly. Uh, because their whole thing was fighting the Abyss, and the Four Kings were like, ooh, Abyss, that sounds like a great way to get some cash and power. <laughs> Just like, ooh, Pyramid Scheme, sign me up. 
Yeah, send us all your old gold for cash. <laughs> send us all your old gold for humanity, please. <laughs> um, but so if I, I'm, I'm pretty sure the community is pretty set on that red eyes means tainted by the abyss. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then they are, first of all, a group boss, which is something we only really see with um, things like Ornstein and Schmo, but mostly when you're talking about the major four bosses that you have to beat, that would be the four kings. Yeah. And they're fighting each other, which I suspect happened with the four kings, if only for the fact that when people succumb to their uh, like base desires and want power and they have to share it with other people they tend to not like that all that much right so there probably was some infighting there but that's entirely speculative it's mostly that it's an abyss corrupted uh group fight that is really the reason why they come across that way as being the four kings Oh, and the big pointy helmets that are kind of like crowns. Do you want to talk about how, like, on the um, the path to the Abyss Watches, there are those the shrines that look like they represent three of the four bosses? Yeah, yeah, and there are also the the uh, dark rates. Yeah, yeah. Am I remembering wrong that there are there's imagery like that around New Londo? Of what? Uh, of of kind of like the the lords. Um, there's a bunch of like statues, but it's hard to tell what they are because they're all decayed. All right, and underwatery. Yeah. yeah, but they seem to be the most human of the lords. In in like they are the ones who kind of came into this accidentally, like. Yeah. They they just kind of like, oh, okay, Captain, you go you go and be be uh, Lord of Cinder. We'll back you up, and they all go and they beat uh, the um, Soul of Cinder and the, uh, together. And they're like, okay, you link the first plank. Go go do it. And <laughs> and he does, and they all get caught up in the fire. Like ah no. So this is like a cautionary tale for me. If I'm like Richard, Richard, go do that. I may get caught up in that as well. Well, maybe, but if the first, if he, you tell him to link the first flame, I think you'll be okay, because he's in Australia. Yeah. But you can never be too safe. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, Richie, you could totally link the first flame now, because it's super hot. Because your guys' winter is very hot. Yes, or summer, as it's called here. <laughs> Yeah, it's so trippy. Every time I talk to Richard, he's like, damn, this Christmas is so hot. And it's like minus 75 here. <laughs> it is not actually that hot at all. It's 72 degrees Fahrenheit and 22 Celsius. Actually warmer here. Oh, wow. Where are you? Florida. Winter is just not as hot summer. Oh, yeah. So Florida is basically Australia. Uh, I think it basically is. Minus the spiders. No, there are spiders here too. 
Oh, yeah, God. I have I have friends in Florida. It's like it seems very similar. Do you think that's why we don't have like so many weird creatures here? Because they'd all die in the winter. Probably. Corvus here, you guys. Corvus here. He says hi. Oh my god! Come here, love of my life. Oh, he's so cute and soft. Oh fuck! Ah, no, his paws on my face. Corvus, I love you. Stop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yay! He says hi. Okay. As we were saying, what were we saying? Uh, the Abyss Watchers are the Four Kings. Okay. Also, their movesets are kind of similar in the fact of big sweeping sword strikes. Yeah. Uh, you know who I think the Abyss Watchers represent? Lady Maria. How so? Well, they have a second fire phase. Yeah. And they, I don't know, I feel like their moveset is somewhat similar to hers. Okay, but there's there's this other boss called Frida. <laughs> who who verges into just copyright infringement. I, I think I know <laughs> what it is. I think I know what it is. Artorias didn't just go to Ulysseo. He got stuck in something that sucked him away to Bloodborne. And he and Maria lived happily ever after in an alternate timeline. And then the Abyss Watchers were born, and they were shoved back into Dark Souls 3. Oh my god. That actually makes sense. Mm. You know, time is convoluted. Yeah. Can totally jump game franchises that way. <laughs> well, listen, there are videos out there saying that Bloodborne, Dark Souls, The Resine, and Metal Gear Solid are all in the same universe, so... How, how did Metal Gear Solid get added into that? I think I said that at some point. <laughs> well, I guess, like, Metal Gear Solid doesn't technically start until, like, the 1960s. So, if all this stuff was just in the past, then they don't, they don't have to actually connect to each other. But it, it ostensibly happens in the real world? Question mark? And um, there, there. I, I don't think there's any kingdom called Lothric. Well, time is convoluted. You know what? You know what? You're right. It's like how um, it's like how the Star Wars wiki. Everything's written in the past tense because it happened a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. So, like that is Star Wars is canon with everything set on Earth. It's just irrelevant. Like it's canon with ET. Because yeah. E.T. knows Yoda. Yeah, yeah and E.T. is in The Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> the continuity there. Oh, no, the, the the most confusing Star Wars continuity is that there's one of the, the cars from Blade Runner is in Attack of the Clones. Which does all, it does all kinds of things to causality that I, I don't even want to think about. So vampires are, if I'm re- remembering correctly, Blade Runner is the one with the, No? No, Blade Runner is the the Harrison Ford, yeah, cyborg yeah. noir one. No, yeah. no, Blade is the vampire one. Yeah, Blade, Blade is Blade is a a fine, fine film. Though, since both of them are movies <laughs> about clones, that kind of makes sense. Mmm. It's not that I accidentally pressed spacebar and then it stopped recording, and then I'm trying to find where I am. <laughs> no, that totally wouldn't happen. 
<laughs> this is the professional. No, it would, it would happen, but it would be my fault somehow. <laughs> yeah, if it happened, and I'm not saying it did. I'm not saying I just noticed that at 34 minutes it for some reason stopped. It would happen, and then like for the next year, like you know what Richard did? He accidentally <gasps> oh my God! Leaned on yeah. Space Do you know yeah. what Richard did for real though? This one time, he lost this, this audio. <laughs> when was this again? It was, okay, we were recording Demon Souls, we were talking about Destroyer, yeah. and it's a shame because it was the best podcast because I, w- I, was, I was explaining anime to you. Yeah, the, the legendary lost episode. Yeah. Marionette, yeah. do you want to hear about boxes? Yes. I I predict a lot of this is going to end up on Patreon. Yeah, most of it. So, Marionette, do the Watchers represent anything else? Uh, They could also represent the furtive pygmy, or pygmies, plural, uh, in a kind of retroactive sense, but only in that if you take the Ringed City to be absolutely and utterly canon. Uh, By which I mean, if they represent humanity as a whole, then getting a lord soul is their thing, and then they fight about what they should do with it. Should they be like true to the darkness and kind of desirous and to their nature, or should they like repress that and totally do what the gods want? Like the Abyss Watchers are a really good analogy for humans in the Dark Souls world in general. Go on. They just constantly fight all of their corrupted in, uh, members for a purpose that they've been told is good, but really don't have any additional information on. Like, it's just, we do this because we do this, and that's why we do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a lie of a story that then became a myth that then became the reason why they act the way they do with their entire lives. That's deep. It is. Speaking of deep. Oh! oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I thought you wanted to do no- another one of those, like, lead-ins, but okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So I guess we're moving on to Aldrich now. <laughs> Yes, totally. What a smooth transition, Richie. We're such professionals. <laughs> so, Aldrich is kind of like Nito in reverse. In that you go through this incredibly annoying area the first time you go through it. Because you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. To get to where he's supposed to be... And instead of sleeping in his coffin like Nito was, Aldrich is gone. And you just get all of his servants. Right. So, it's kind of like, Death was like, ah, you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna get up and go do stuff instead of moping around like a baby. Yeah, it's like, you know what? I'm gonna move out of my parents' basement. 
I think technically it was his, his cathedral, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Parents, get out of my basement. Yeah, there we go. Um, so he moves to Anor Orlando, which if Hawkshaw's whole thing on the the um, using of right, like the whole um, plot against the gods thing that is right. there in Dark Souls 1 with stealing the power of the Grave Lord to go and uh, overthrow the gods. Well, the Grave Lord in this case just decides to do that himself. <laughs> and and so we have Aldrich, uh, a giant mass of skulls and bones and rotting flesh, like Nito, who has the Grave Lord scythe, uh, sword, um, in an Orlando, eating a god. Right. That that seems to be the clearest one to me. Like, yeah, this is Nito. He didn't eat Nito. He just is like the reincarnation of him, but with more guts. Right. Yeah, and I remember, like, when it first came out, there was a, like, theory briefly that he'd also eaten Nito, because he had elements of Nito to him. And Priscilla. The, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's he's different than Nito in that he's not a big lumbering hulk. He likes his magic a bit more, but I mean, generally speaking, uh, actually in that in that way, Pontiff Sullivan is kind of like the weird reflection of Havel in that he's a high-ranking member of the Way of White who is not plotting against the gods, but well, he is, but he's fighting Nito instead of trying to steal his stuff. If you want to think that way. Right. Yeah. That's all I have on Aldrich. Aldrich is both complex and not. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And Reggie pointed out an interesting thing about Aldrich, which he reminded me of today. And I don't know if that may be something that ties into anything you said. Um, Reggie. Say the thing again. I don't remember what thing you mean, because we talked about Aldrich a bit. Um, the thing how Aldrich is not really Gwendolyn, and it's another model. The Aldrich boss that you fight is like Frankenstein together from different models, and the, the torso part that everyone thinks is Gwendolyn is literally, it's just Lothric. It's Prince Lothric from the waist up, with a different texture. And that, like, crown kind of stuck to him. I mean, it makes sense. Lothric does kind of look like Gwendolyn, and... Yeah, same voice actor as well. It would be easier to just recycle a model than make another one. Yeah, yeah and like, um, we know from looking at Diadamine stuff that Lothric used to have a scythe at one point. So that's probably where, where Aldrich's scythe is just that recycled. But the thing is, it's also possible that, like, maybe Aldrich, that blob thing came first, and then they took the top off and made that Lothric. Like, we don't know what order they came in. Maybe. Huh. Although I don't know, it's probably not because there's statues of Lothric in the... Although I guess they could have made those late, I don't know. Yeah, and this is a good seamless lead-in to Lothric and Lorien. Sure, we're just going to skip over the worst one. Okay. Um. <laughs> no, we're keeping the last one for the end, like the big finale. It's the carrot on the stick. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. Well, Lothric and Lorien might surprise you. Um, they are... Contrary to popular belief because of the existence of another boss, they are um, supposed to be 
well, Lorien is supposed to be the chosen undead. That's pretty clear based on all of his lore, but Lothric is Seath. Right. He uses magic. He, he can't walk. He's got no legs that function. And despite Osiris being there, um, he, well, he's the intellectual boss uh, that at, at the end of the giant library that um, betrayed his own kind. Yep. That's like textbook Seath right there. Did he turn anyone into a slug? Well, there were supposed to be a bunch of slugs on the door. That's true. Oh, snap. And, I mean, he's got his own kind of channeler people in the yeah. archives. They're the uh, Scholar. scholars. And then, instead of crystal golems, he just says, like, poor hunted gargoyles. There are no, like, Cthulhu-esque tentacle uh, creatures, because I don't think Lothric had anything to do with maidens, but, I mean, you never know. Well, he, he... Gertrude gets locked up, and it's not clear who did that. It just says the scholars did it. That is probably another Seath uh, reference, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Because if that is the entire reason that Gertrude is there, and they just came up with the rest of her lore as like an excuse about why she was there, that would make so much more sense. Yeah. Though, the angels... The angels are weird. Yeah. Okay, which angels are we talking about? <laughs> There's a couple of them. The the Golden Knight Angels. I suspect that they were something unrelated that was like part of an earlier uh, part of the game. Like yeah, and sunk cost fallacy just came in, and they're like, well, I mean, they're pretty cool, and we can come up with an excuse to put them here. Yeah, like what one of the things we were talking about earlier was um that the Osiros boss originally was called the Dragon Angel. So we're thinking like the angel thing may have been connected to that at the very start. Maybe. The other theory is that the angel was supposed to be Karth. And that Karth would have big feathered wings like on the statues. Or Frank. Yeah, well, no, we, we had a, there's like a QA leak that said Karth was supposed to show up in Lothric. Okay, so explicitly Karth. We think, yeah, like, this, the person, it was a QA leak that said, like, Karth would have shown up in Lothric, and he would have kind of been the one who was tempting Lorien and Lothric toward the dark, and that he, you'd, you'd see the full body of him and he would have big wings, kind of like a, like a Quetzalcoatl thing mimicking those statues. And I'm like, okay, that... I think that sort of makes sense, considering the huge piles of feathers everywhere, that, like, whatever angel visited them did have feathers. But, yeah. Maybe they decided to take that out, because it wouldn't make sense with the seep kind of... Uh, yeah. Like, if it was that explicit, but if they had feathered cough all around the the castle, and then they had feathers on the floor of the boss fight room, that might tip people yeah. off. 
We don't know. Like it, and but weirdly, it turns out that like the feathered Karth statues aren't there in the Alpha. So we're like, we have no idea what was going on. Well, maybe they took Karth out and then put <laughs> added the Karth statues in with the feathers on the floor to be like, hey, this is what's going on. But yeah, Lorian is supposed to be the chosen undead, uh, like straight from being a great warrior who conquers many things, including a demon prince. Uh, to being like resurrected over and over and over again to fight you. Right. So why he's defending Seath, I have no idea. Oh, you guys. Mm -hmm. I have something profane to tell you. You... Spongy? Self-glorious? Stockfishes. <laughs> Which means soft, vain, dried codfish. <laughs> this is my lead into the next topic. <laughs> what a wonderful insult, madame. <laughs> Because we're going to talk about the profane capital guy. Get it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the profane capital guy is Yorm. Yay. So, Yorm is the, like, his boss design is the least important part about him. Right. He's supposed to be the Gwyn analog. Oh, snap. Like, not this, like, kind of, but, like, so, think about it this way. The profaned flame is representative of the abyss. It is a fire that does not go out and d gives off no heat nor light. Right? Right. Well, the profaned flame gives off light. Well, I'm pretty sure, I might be wrong, I think somewhere, I think I heard somewhere that it said in one of the descriptions that it gave off no heat or light, but even so, Andre says that the profaned coal has the abyss in it. So it, it's a yeah, it's a good stand-in for the abyss. And if you think of um, the profaned capital as, like, maybe Ulusil or just the world in general... Yorm's story kind of makes sense if you think about him as being Gwyn. The profaned flame shows up. That's the abyss. It just kind of just appears. And it's slowly taking over everything as he's, his reign is coming to an end. So what does he do? He sacrifices himself to the first flame to put out the profaned flame. But that's not what happens. Gwyn sacrificing himself didn't get rid of the abyss either. It just kind of, in his absence, it just ran rampant and destroyed the place. So, in that way, uh, Yorm is the Gwyn analog, which is a bit odd considering that's not one of the bosses from Dark Souls 1, but it's right in line with what they did with Dark Souls 2 having uh, the um, whatchamacallit 
giant magma demon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that's a weird thing in two that always. It always seemed odd that like Gwyn's soul ends up in the guy who's made of lava, but then the Witch of Isolith's soul ends up in the character with the giant sword. Like it sort of makes more sense the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. But for for the purposes of explaining Yorm, if he's supposed to be a a pallid kind of bad reflection of Gwyn, then his story kind of makes a bit of sense. He's a leader who was I mean, I don't know if Gwyn was chosen by his people to lead them, but or well actually, in that way, Gwyn was chosen by the humans to lead them as a god, despite him subjugating them as the Ring City puts out. So Yorm is the descendant of a conqueror, which is not the same thing, but similar, who is nevertheless there to lead. Um, And he fights with a sword and shield until the day that he kind of loses the ones or the one that he uh, wants Mm. to protect. And at that point, he just kind of goes berserk and has the one big sword, which I think it's probably there to kind of, at least that part is probably there to give you a giant great shield boss item, and also to like, add some similarities between the two. Um, Giant one sword things, people who are literally larger than life. Um, And then he sacrifices himself to the flame, and yet it does nothing merely staves off for a short period of time the destruction that was going to come to his kingdom. Right. Who is Sigvard? <laughs> is is Sigvard Frampt? Because Frampt is Gwyn's friend, but he still sends someone to kill him. <laughs> yes! It makes perfect sense! Yes. You guys cracked it! Finally! He's also a bad friend. He's a horrible friend! That's what I've been saying! When your friend is in trouble, you don't come to their house with a giant sword to kill them! Usually you're like, oh, do you want to grab a coffee together? Do you want to talk about it? You know? I did see someone on Twitter was posting some very cute art of, like, Sigvard and Yorm just being friends. I'm now imagining like, a giant couch in Yorm's arena with a, a giant, like, blanket and Siegvard trying to lug a massive bowl of ice cream through the tiny door. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, there's a TV that is a very, very wide screen. <laughs> That's those four. I also have a theory about who Filionor is supposed to be, but... Go on. Yeah, go on. Is it Yorska? Is it Guinevere? No. No, Filionor is her own character, but I mean, like, her role. Because each of Gwyn's children has a role that they serve. Princes of Sunlight. Well, so the... uh, 
Nameless King is supposed to be a war god. He's born during the War with the Dragons. That's great. Um, Guinevere is the fertility god who is there uh, to like make everything thrive. Um, Gwendolyn is there to kind of take the place of everybody else when they leave. And Filionor has this really interesting ability, like that big flash of light that we have, and then we're transported to that desert. Mm. There is, earlier on, uh, when you get uh, the repair spell uh, off the Ulusil scroll, or the Golden Scroll, yeah, one of the two, um, it says that light is time and its reversal is a guarded secret. Oh. So if Filionor is that aspect of light, not the growing aspect or the harsh aspect or the pale reflection of the dark sun, um, you have a time goddess whose job it is to keep the pygmies locked away apart from the world because their time is stagnant and no one can access it until you wake her up. And then you just burst forward into the future. That's my theory on Filionor and why that is. And have you noticed that her egg thing looks like a um, a vagabond or whatever those um, vagrant yeah. the vagrants? Yeah. Did you say vagabond? <laughs> yes, I said vagabond. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I am. Oh dear! Imagine a vagrant with like little knives and the bandit set. Like, give me your souls. No, I was imagining a vagrant with like its its belongings in a little bag, like over its shoulder on a stick, just like whistling to itself as it walks around, just running away from people, hopping a train to another world because everyone yeah. tries to kill it whenever it's nearby. Yeah, I was imagining it in like sparkly UGG shoes. Because my sister gave me her sparkly ox shoes, and she says, these are vagabond shoes. <laughs> That's absolutely wonderful. Richie, we're shy. Do the outro. Well, what episode is this? Like, 52? Oh, God. Don't even ask me about episodes. I'm never doing episode numbers again. I'm like... I told you just not to do them. I thought we had a plan. I thought I was on track. But... This would have been kind of on track, but then somebody had the great idea of doing the lore notes thing, and I. That was you. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I can't. I don't even. I can't even start to conceptualize how that's going to. Well, thanks for having me on. Based on the the number of videos in the Snack Covenant folder on on your YouTube thing, this is episode two hundred and thirty-seven. Well, okay, no. The thing is, that folder includes my solo lore, the superior lore, as well as the classic episodes, as well as the Snack Covenant episodes. I think this might be episode 52. No, because if, I released release episode this, 52 yeah. today. What? Because it was... 52 was... No, 53. I released episode 53 today. Jesus. Because 51 was the Christmas episode. 52 was the first part of the uh, Outer Worlds. 53 is the second part of the Outer oh, Worlds. God. So it would be 54, but it's not going to be episode 54. Because my boyfriend finished working on some of the previous episodes that we recorded, as well as, as on the Bloodborne notes. And I don't know how I'm going to release those yet, if it's going to be like once every week, one note every two weeks. So I don't... I That's why I'm 
telling you, I don't even... Like, I'm better at calculating episodes than you. Richie, why do you think you can calculate this without even knowing what's in the folder? I think we've reached our screen quota for today. <laughs> yep, there we go. She's very tired, but she's got her second win. Ah, I see. Well, that was an episode of of the Snack Covenant, and it was about the things that were in it, including <laughs> the Lords of Cinder in Dark Souls 3 being a bit like the characters that were the Lord Souls in Dark Souls 1. Richie, stop right there. Why is it so hard to say it? This is the least convoluted topic we've had in months. And you're like, wait a minute, I gotta gotta compartmentalize this in my mind. It's the people from Dark Souls 3 and how they resemble people from Dark Souls 1 and you're acting like, oh my god. You sound like this is the most confused you've been in years. You have a PhD, sir. Can that just be the outro? Okay, so (laughs) then we have to do the intro because we forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a peak. And is there a, a code word system for this particular episode? Uh, Richard didn't like the code word system, so it I got abolished. I didn't not like it. I just had no he idea what it was He was questioning it too much, and yeah, so I, I canceled I qu- it. I questioned it to the point where you realized it didn't make sense. No, 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 no. If you were going to be difficult, I was like, I'm not going to put in the effort if Rich is being difficult. That's, that's how you get them. Just randomly, occasionally, code words pop up. <laughs> All right, so what's the code word for this one, Marionette? Questioning the code word system is heresy. Okay, I'm going to bet that Brian Kelly will easily get this code word. Brian Kelly is the code word champion.